You are listening to the podcast of New Life Church in Wayland, Michigan. Our longing is to see zero people in our community living unchanged by Jesus. We are a church navigating the messiness of life together in community. One of our core convictions is that everyone is welcome, no one is perfect, and anything is possible. I hope you know there is a place in the family for you here. For more information on gathering times and location, check out our website. But for now, I hope God speaks powerfully to you through this word. Good morning, everybody. How are we doing this morning? Good. Hey, uh, today is our last week of our series, Lord, Teach Us to Pray. And I actually believe today that God wants to call some people out. Now, not in the way you might think. But I believe God has a calling on all of our lives, but today specifically, I believe God is going to call some people out, and my ask for you is that if God does that at the end of the service, there's going to be an opportunity uh, to respond to God's calling on our lives, and I want you, I want to invite you, uh, if that's you, to take a bold step here this morning. And so as we begin here this morning, the year was 1940. It was spring, late May, early June, around this time of year, and Hitler's Nazi armies were mopping up French troops and preparing for an aggressive siege of Great Britain. In fact, at this point in World War II, multiple countries had already surrendered to the Nazis, and there was this moment where uh, the British army became trapped on the coast of France at a port called Dunkirk. And in this moment, the Nazi armies are aggressively pursuing the British troops and they are trapped as the world watches in what felt like a very hopeless situation. You see, between, between uh, the, the Nazis and the English Channel were the British troops and they were faced with what felt like sudden destruction. In fact, there were close to 350,000 troops on the coast of the English Channel in this spring invasion. And the British uh, ships, the Royal Navy, only had enough ships there to save about 17,000 of these 350,000. And so the world watched, and the British commanders were ready for what they called hard and heavy tidings. They were ready to lose this battle miserably. Until one day on the coastline, on the horizon... They saw a speck, and then another speck, and soon thousands of specks filled the horizon, and they didn't know what it was right away until those specks began to move closer, and what they saw changed everything for them. See, what the British army saw coming towards them on the horizon looked a lot like this. It was their neighbors. It was a civilian army of tugboats and fishing vessels, lifeboats, sailboats, even the Gilligan's Island crew was with them. There was a, a, a ferry called Gracie Field that came, like literally civilian, a civilian army came and they rescued 380,682 troops from the coast of France there. This incredible moment, this was a miracle mission. And what strikes me so much about Dunkirk and this rescue mission is that it was regular people that got called into the mission. It wasn't trained soldiers. 
It wasn't the professionals. In fact, if, if regular people had not got involved in this mission, the battle at Dunkirk would have been lost. But regular people were given authority to go advance the mission against evil. And the Bible is very clear that, that the church of Jesus is at war. And, and make no mistake about it, we're not at war with each other. Like sometimes I think we forget that. We're not at war with each other. The kingdom of God is at war with an enemy insurgency named Satan. His name literally means the enemy. C.S. Lewis says it, says it this way. He says, there is no neutral ground in the universe. There is no Switzerland, if you will. Every square inch, every split second is claimed by God and counterclaimed by Satan. And, and you don't have to look around much to see this war at play in our world right now, do you? I mean, it is, it is all over the place. But here's the thing about God. God takes kingdom ground differently. He takes kingdom ground differently because his chosen army in this war is who? It's civilians. It's regular people who are willing to employ their tugboats and their pontoon boats and their fishing vessels to, to be regular people empowered to go advance the mission. And God's chosen weapon, it's when his people come together and we drop to our knees and clasp our fists in prayer against the disorder of this world. And as we conclude the Lord's Prayer here this morning, as we look at the final lines of the Lord's Prayer, I love how Jesus ends the prayer because he does exactly that. He ends this prayer by declaring war in prayer. He declares war in prayer. Let's take a look at how he ends this prayer in Matthew 6, verse 13. It says this, And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then this last line doesn't appear in most of our, our translations. Uh, it's believed that it was added by the early church as a benediction later on, but it, it ends this way, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I don't know about you, but that makes me want to go punch some Satan in the face, like reading how Jesus ends this prayer here. See, the end of this prayer is all about forward motion into enemy territory. Think about it. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. The way Jesus concludes this prayer is exactly the way Jesus began his ministry. You can read about this in Matthew 3 and 4. He is baptized. He is filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he goes directly into the wilderness to be tempted for 40 days by Satan. He is quite literally led into temptation. And he overcomes temptation. And he is ultimately delivered from the evil one, Jesus takes new ground during his time in the wilderness, and Satan is not happy. You realize what Jesus is doing as he ends this prayer here, as he closes his prayer this way? It's mind-blowing to me. This is what Jesus is actually speaking over us when it comes to prayer. That Jesus gives ordinary people authority to take new ground for the kingdom of God. Jesus gives ordinary people authority to take new ground for the kingdom of God. It's not the professionals. It's not the trained soldiers. It is ordinary people that he gives extraordinary authority to in prayer. Do you realize 
that if you are a son or daughter of God, that you have authority when you pray. That you're not just sitting here and saying, God, save me from the mess, it's hopeless. But actually, when we pray, we are exercising authority that Jesus has won for us from above. We don't have to roll over helplessly and surrender our lives to enemy territory. When we pray, we are calling the forces of heaven to go before us. In John 16, Jesus says this. He says, when you ask the Father anything in my name, it will be given to you. I am giving you a new kind of authority to pray with. That your prayers are not helpless. That there are areas of your life that you don't actually have to surrender to enemy territory because prayer has the power to take new ground for the kingdom of God. See, Jesus wants us to learn how to declare war with our prayers. He wants us to learn how to exercise authority to take new ground for the kingdom of God in my life, in this city, in our families. Man, if we could learn how to pray with authority for our marriages, it would change some things. If we learned how to pray with authority for our city in a way that says we are at war against the enemy and we are claiming this ground for Jesus Christ, it would change some things. It would change our town. It would change our families. It would transform our church. In fact, there's a story in Matthew 16 where Jesus takes his disciples to what many would consider enemy territory. He takes them to a place called Caesarea Philippi. And he actually, he's training his ragtag army of disciples for a Dunkirk-like mission in this moment. And he takes them to this place and he simply asks them this question, who do you say I am? Who am I to you? And this, in, this exchange between a fisherman named Peter and Jesus is just mind-blowing to me. It's astounding to me, the authority that he gives Peter in this moment. Matthew 16, verses 16 through 19 says this, Simon Peter replied to Jesus' question, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, Simon son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. But my Father who is in heaven, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Do you hear the war language in here? And then watch the authority he gives Peter. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. See what he's doing here? He takes his disciples to Caesarea Philippi. And Caesarea Philippi was the red light district of the ancient world. It was a place where people were literally and eagerly knocking on the gates of hell. I'm not going to get into all of the stuff that happened there, but just suffice it to say, he takes his people to what many would consider enemy territory, and he stands in this place. And he says, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He is giving Peter a new kind of authority to take ground for his kingdom. And what I love about Peter is Peter doesn't see that in himself yet. Not even close. It's almost like any parents who have gone through driver's training with their kids here. I mean, do you remember that moment you first gave the keys to the car to your child? 
absolutely terrifying, right? That's what Jesus is doing here. He is giving Peter the keys to the car and saying, drive this thing called the church. Take it forward. Move the mission forward. Take new ground. And the place that he does it is the darkest place in the entire region that they were doing ministry in. He takes them literally to a place called the gates of hell and says, they will not prevail against my church, against the Peters who understand that they have been given kingdom authority to take new ground for me. Here's the truth. We don't have the ability to see in ourselves the authority that we have. We just don't. It's why we need the church. It's why we need each other. I mean, the name church literally means those who are called out. Those who are called out. And what Jesus is doing here is he is speaking something over Peter's life that Peter does not yet see in himself. He's speaking something into Peter's life that Peter is unable to see on his own. When I think about my own life and my own calling into ministry, these four letters have drastically changed my life, and how I do ministry. It's the four letters I see in you. I see in you. I see in you. I see something in you that you don't see in yourself. I see a calling on your life that you may not necessarily see on your own. Guys, this is why we need the church. This is why you will not see in the Bible Lone Ranger Christians because we need each other to be able to call this stuff out that we may not see in ourselves. I see a gifting in you. You are called out to preach the word. You are called out to plant churches. You are called out to go, to lead, to take kingdom ground. And God's chosen army, just regular people. I remember the first time that I was called out to be in ministry. I was a wedding photographer volunteering in the youth group. And they literally called me and said, hey, do you want to lead the student ministry at the church I was at at the time? And I remember just being terrified, like, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want the keys to the car. I haven't even taken driver's training yet, right? And, And I just remember, like, people, people like my grandpa when I was a kid calling out, you're going to be a pastor one day, and just speaking that over my life, I... Think of people like Brian Bloom, who's been such a spiritual father to me. It was in 2015, 2016. I was only a year into student ministry, and he said, I think you're going to be a lead pastor one day, and I laughed in his face. He saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. And our role as a church is to begin seeing that in each other and calling out what we may not see in ourselves because God has empowered his people to take new ground for his kingdom. Jesus has given you the same authority to take new ground for the kingdom of God. The problem is that too many of us have already surrendered ground to the enemy in our lives. We all have. We all have ground in our lives that has been surrendered to the enemy. You do. I do. Even Peter does, which we'll see in just a moment here. We all have ground that has been surrendered to the enemy in our lives. Some of us, we'd rather stay home than go into Dunkirk because there's ground in our lives we've surrendered to the enemy. Where have you surrendered ground to the evil one? 
I mean, this is where the rubber hits the road for Jesus' prayer. When he says, deliver us from the evil one, where have you surrendered ground to the enemy? Is it your background? I I can't tell you how many times I see marriages fail because we have surrendered our, our backgrounds to the enemy. We surrendered our trauma to the enemy. We've surrendered the stuff that we've done to the enemy. We've let our past so cloud our identity that the idea of being used by God in any meaningful way just seems impossible. In prayer, Jesus has given you authority to take new ground for the kingdom of God, that your past no longer belongs to your trauma and no longer belongs to what was done to you. It is now his to redeem. We surrender our abilities to the enemy sometimes too, don't we? I can't speak like they do. I don't have the same talents or gifts or abilities that they have. I don't know how to share my faith. Maybe, maybe for you it's I'm getting older. My best days are behind me. God's looking for a certain skill set in his kingdom that I don't seem to have. Like We do this all the time. We surrender our skills and our abilities and our talents to the enemy. In prayer, Jesus has given you authority to take new ground for his kingdom. Your talents, your abilities are not a barrier to being used by God. In many cases, they are the exact things that he uniquely has equipped you with to be used by him. For some of us, we've surrendered our own convenience to the enemy. The season I'm in right now is a barrier to being used by God. It's just not a good time right now. I'm terrified. There's real life and money and finances and security to worry about, and so I am terrified of where God might be calling me. See, it's not surprising to me that immediately after Jesus speaks these words over Peter, and by the way, the rock that the church is founded on is Jesus himself. He is the chief cornerstone, and what he does is he's inviting Peter to be used by him powerfully. But what happens right after Jesus speaks these words over Peter's life? He shows the area of his life that's surrendered to the enemy. He shows the areas of his life that that has already been surrendered to enemy territory. In fact, after this, right after this, in Matthew 16, verse 21 to 23, this is what happens. This is immediately after Jesus spoke these words to Peter. It says this, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. He, what Peter is doing here is he is trying to get Jesus to skip the way of the cross. It is the exact same thing that Satan did when he tempted Jesus in the wilderness. You can have all the power, you can have all the glory, if you will just skip the cross and surrender your life to enemy territory. Watch what Jesus says here. Go on to this next slide here. But he turned, Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Now that escalated really quickly. In one breath, Jesus goes from, You are Peter, and I will build my church, to not today, Satan, right? But it gives you a glimpse into how seriously Jesus takes the victory that he will win and has won on the cross, right? Keep in mind in this moment, the cross has not happened yet. So he's predicting we live in a world where Jesus has already won the victory on the cross and in his resurrection. 
And so what Jesus is doing here is he is pointing Peter to the cross. He's pointing him to the picture of the ultimate authority that we have been given. Jesus died for your sins on the cross, and he won back the authority that we were created to live with under his rule and reign to begin with. I love how N.T. Wright describes this. He's a New Testament scholar. He says it this way. To pray, deliver us from evil, is to inhale the victory of the cross and thereby to hold the line for another moment, another hour, another day against the forces of destruction within ourselves and the world. If you are in Christ, do you understand the authority that has been won for you on the cross? I think a lot of us don't. Because if we did, there would be a whole lot less ground that surrendered to the enemy in our lives. Right? Your victory is not found in your abilities. Your authority is not found in your education. It's not found in your age. Your authority is not found in your strength. It's not found in your behavior. You know where your authority is found? On your knees. That's where your authority is found. You know, I love how Peter is described later on in the book of Acts. He preaches the gospel and he confounds and astounds people. And the reason that he astounds people is the book of Acts describes him as just a regular, ordinary, unschooled guy who had been with Jesus. His boldness came from being with Jesus. Church, what if our boldness and our authority came from the fact that when nobody else saw, we were on our knees, we had been with Jesus? What if the world saw a church that was to be reckoned with, that was taking new kingdom ground every single day, every single week, every single year, because we were ordinary, unschooled people who had simply been with Jesus? I love this about the way God works. He doesn't choose the professionals. He chooses a ragtag civilian army and he sends them into Dunkirk and he says, I have already promised you victory. It's just yours to take hold of. It's just yours to take hold of in prayer. What is holding you back right now from taking new ground from the kingdom of God in this community? What's holding you back? We, uh, we live on two acres and we have two really, really ferocious dogs named Arlo and Ryder. I mean, they are terrorists. They are beasts. They will, they will see people walking on the side of the road and just bark as loud as they can as if they're going to attack. And before they were trained, they would attack people with love and kisses and stuff. They're golden retrievers. They don't really do anything. Um, <laughs> their bark is way worse than their non-existent bite. Um, and so super ferocious until one day we decided, hey, it might be a good idea to train these dogs so they don't run into the road and get hit by a car. And so we installed an electric fence, and we began training them. And we trained them kind of their territory and where they were allowed to go and where they weren't allowed to go. And it took some time, but they really got it down to the point where today they don't run out of our yard anymore. In fact, we don't even need to have the electric fence turned on anymore because they know where the boundary is, and they're unwilling to go past that. They don't want to experience the consequence of going past it. And so I, I love this because they're trapped in a yard by nothing other than something that lives in their mind. They don't even realize the fence isn't on anymore. Do you realize that on the cross, Jesus turned off the fence? 
He turned off the fence. And the only thing that holds many of us back from being used by him in his kingdom is the war that lives between our two eyes and our ears. The war in our own minds. He has turned off the fence. He has given us every tool that we need to take kingdom ground for him. He's given you authority. Will you exercise it? Will you use it for his glory? You, church, are commissioned to take new ground for the kingdom of God. And the church exists to remind you over and over again that the fence has been turned off, that there is nothing that is holding you back, that if you are in Christ, you have an authority to go into this world, to go into your workplace, to go into our neighborhoods and proclaim that this ground no longer belongs to the enemy. This is Jesus' kingdom ground. If you are a follower of Jesus, God has a calling on your life to take new territory. But many of us are still stuck in the yard. We're stuck in the yard by our own fear, our own pride, our own insecurity, our own indifference. I think for Peter, it was a lot of these things. I mean, you see this play out over and over again in his life. But I love the final words that Jesus shares with Peter before he ascends to heaven are just such marking words for him, but they're also marking words for us, for all of us as a church. They are the great commission, the great prayer of commission that is basically him telling his disciples, the fence has been turned off, you have all of the authority, now go and do this thing. Matthew 28, verse 16 through 20, Jesus says this, and Jesus came and said to them, all what? Authority. Say that with authority. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, basically saying under this authority, with this authority, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always the very end of the age. Ten days after Jesus speaks these words to Peter, his disciples are filled with the Holy Spirit and with authority, Peter, Peter, teenager who had been given the keys to the car, stands in front of a multitude of people and he preaches the gospel with boldness and with authority and 3,000 people in one day are saved. It says their hearts are pierced. They are torn to the core. They are saved. They repent. And Peter, you see in his own story, takes new ground for the kingdom of God. The question for us today is New Life Church, where are the Peters in this community? Where are the Peters in New Life Church? I know we have people in this church who are called into ministry, who are called to take kingdom ground by entering full-time ministry. Some of us, we're called to put a bold stake in the ground and actually change our careers I know it because I've seen it. But the only one holding you back is you. 
You're already serving. You're already doing something, but God has more for you. He is calling you into the work of doing his ministry. Some of you, you are called to the exact context that you are in right now, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, to take kingdom ground there. Our callings, that's the beauty of the church. Our callings can look different from each other, and not one is higher than the other or lower than the other. But some of you, I just want to speak to the Peters here in this room, the ones who are actually called to drop their nets at their fishing boat and come and follow Jesus and lead the church. Man, I love what God is doing here in this community, in this area. Like Peter, on our own, we don't understand the authority we've been given. We need others to call that out in us. And so we don't always know how to take a next step in our calling. Some of us are sitting at home wondering what God is calling us to next. And what I love about this is when God is calling his ragtag people into a rescue mission, our job is to say yes. And the church exists to help you discover that. So if you're a Peter here in this room, if you believe God has placed a calling on your life to be a Peter, to leave your fishing nets behind, to enter into ministry, I'm calling you out today. I'm calling you out because God has something for you, and our job as a church is to commission you in that. You see this happen over and over in the New Testament, where people who are already part of the church are called into ministry to go plant, to preach, to, uh, to, to take the kingdom further. About a year ago, um, we haven't really shared this on stage, but about a year ago, our family of churches, the Zero Collective, started a brand new initiative called Launchable Leaders. And this has been something for me personally that has been so cool to watch play out, where we've invited just a few different people to enter into this year-long process of discovering how God has gifted them, how God has created them, and where God is calling them. And we had two people from our church go through Launchable Leaders, Aaron and Cheryl, who are, who are right up front here. And I'm going to invite them up in a minute here, but Aaron and Cheryl are two people who have felt a deep calling on their lives to be used by God in a different, in a new, and a fresh way. And after going through Launchable Leaders, they both have discovered some things about themselves. Aaron, I'm sorry, we'll start with Cheryl here. Cheryl has discovered that she has a story worth telling. That for many, many years of her life, she has surrendered her own story to enemy territory. And it's through launchable leaders that she has discovered, no, my story does not belong to the enemy. It belongs to Jesus. And next week, Cheryl, for the first time publicly, is going to share her testimony at Tacos and Testimonies of how Jesus has transformed her life. I'm so proud of you. And Aaron, sorry, this is the stuff that just lights me on fire. Aaron, her husband, has discovered that God has a calling on his life to become a pastor. And he is right now working through the process, just recently started schooling to become an ordained pastor in our denomination. Right now, what we're working on is... um, Sorry, I can't even read my notes. Sorry. <laughs> um, Aaron is going to be joining our staff as one of the pastors here at New Life as a paid staff position. We're going to have more information on that on, at our family meeting on June 4. 
Not only that, there's a, a lady named Jess that has uh, been part of our church and uh, part of the Zero Collective for the last bit here. And Jess has such a clear calling on her life. She is incredibly passionate about what God is doing here at New Life. And she also went through Launchable Leaders this past year. And what's so cool is that Jess is going to be joining our team this coming June as well as our discipleship pastoral resident. God has such a calling on your life to preach the gospel and to shepherd and to lead people. And being able to see you come alive in that calling over this last year, man, there is nothing like that. There's, there's no greater joy as a church than to watch people come alive in the calling that God has on their lives. Jess will be doing some preaching. She'll be raising, we'll be raising her up in this next season as a pastor to lead all things discipleship in the church. There's going to be more on that to come. But I share all of this with you to just say this. God is giving New Life Church favor to take new ground for his kingdom. He's done it last four years in a row. He's going to continue doing it. The question is, are there more Peters in this church? We're going to be doing another round of launchable leaders starting this fall, and I believe there are more Peters in this church, Peters who are called to take a next step, Peters who are called to leave their net behind and say, God, I may not know exactly what this looks like or exactly what the whole process is going to look like, but I am willing to say yes to the next step to being used by you. And our role as a church is to commission people in that. I want to be a church that is raising up new leaders. It's not afraid to give the keys to the car to the teenager every once in a while. Because the keys to the car were given to me as a teenage driver before I was ever taking driver's training. This is how God's kingdom works. And so here's what I want to do. If you are a Peter here in this church, if you believe God has called you, all I want to do here this morning is I want to invite you up front. And we're just going to do a time of commissioning prayer over you. We don't have to define that. We don't have to say exactly what that whole process has looked like. But if you are a Peter in this church who is called to be used by God, who is called to, in some cases, leave your nets behind and take a next step to your, your calling, I want to invite you up front right here, and we're going to pray over you. And so, uh, Jess, Aaron, Cheryl, if you guys want to join me, and anybody else who may feel like you are a Peter, you are someone who is called by God to be used in his kingdom to take new ground, we're going to pray over you. We're going to do this commissioning prayer where we say we are actually empowering you to take new ground for his kingdom. And so, if you three want to make your way up, and then the prayer team as well, and anybody else who may feel called by God to be a Peter in this community. He's been doing this for 2,000 years, calling people to be used by him and for his glory. And what we're going to do is we're just going to pray over you guys. We're going to lay hands on you, and if you will, as a church, if we can extend our hands towards them as a way of commissioning. This is something the church has been doing for 2,000 years, and we're not going to stop now. So I want to just pray over you guys who are up here, and if anybody else wants to come join, you're more than welcome to as well. In Jesus' name, this morning we declare that these people who are up here have been commissioned and ordained to take new ground for the kingdom of God. God, I pray for areas of each of their lives that they have surrendered to the enemy. 
God, whether it be their past, their present, their future. God, whether it be their abilities or their stage of life. Whether it be some false sense of security, Lord. I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you will bind the voice of the enemy. That you will, as, as your word says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That in Jesus' name, we declare that these people who have been commissioned and called to take new ground for your kingdom in this community, Lord. And so, God, this morning, I just pray, I pray that there will be people whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life because you have called these people up here to be used and empowered and equipped for your glory and for your church and for your sake, God. These are Peters up here, anointed to preach the word, anointed to share their stories, anointed to go where you will call them to go and be who you have called them to be, God. And so, Lord, I pray right now that as a church, we will be the type of church that commissions people into where you have called them, that we be the type of church that will be the biggest cheerleaders for people to walk and to run in the calling that you have placed on their lives. And so, God, thank you. Thank you that you are still in the business of calling Peters to leave their nets behind and go after you with everything. God, we love you. We pray this in the holy and matchless and authoritative name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. Um, and so we're going we're gonna to respond and in, in worship here this morning. And... If you're here and you're wanting to take a, a next step in your calling, we have a way that we want to help you do that. There's going to be a graphic and a QR code up here on the screen. And if you're feeling a calling into ministry, we'd love to connect with you to help take a next step. We're not going to try to define what all that might be. It's just a next faithful step. And so if God is tugging on your heartstrings here this morning... He's saying, hey, I am calling you to say yes, to take a next step in your calling. We want to walk with you in that. We want to equip you. That's literally why we exist as a church, is to equip people to walk in the calling that God has on their lives. So if that's you, I want to invite you just to take out your phone during this next song. And yes, you can have your phone out during worship. And uh, go to this link here, newlifewayland.org slash called or scan the QR code on the screen. If you're online, there's a link as well that you can click and just fill out that form. You're not signing your life away. Maybe you are, I don't know, but all we're going to do is help you take a next step in your calling to take new ground for his kingdom. So if you will, let's stand and worship together. And if that's you, we're going to leave that up there. I want to invite you just to fill out that form and take a bold step today.